Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I hope you have your uh, speed ears on as such because a lot of what I have is on this on this slide presentation and there's no way in the world I can cover it all in time that I have. So let's see what we can do. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says, and the being on less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world have been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold, many-sided wisdom of God. There are three views that I want to at least introduce to you. The first one concerning the manifold wisdom of God for some is a false view. The second view is somewhat of a foggy view. The view that I wish to present from this day is from a, what I call the flock view, as an elder looking at the flock of God. I say that simply because from the standpoint of practical living, we who are members of the Lord's church, we have struggles and we have many, many things that we certainly have to struggle with not only within the body, but also uh, in the world. And so I, I've tried to encapsulate in this presentation a framework that will help leaders to look at the, the church from, a, I call a flock view. You probably have other words for it, but as I look at the flock, I want to see how I can help my brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling to first of all know that they have a place in the Lord's body, to know that they have a purpose in the Lord's body. My argument, with, my main premise is that many members in the Lord's church, they don't understand or they don't know their purpose. And when you don't know your place and you don't know your purpose, there's not a lot of peace in your life. Much of the church hopping that happens in the world concerning the Lord's body is because Members just can't find their niche, their purpose. And I hope that this framework will help you to see, I think there are some very stable laws of God that will help us to find not only our purpose, but also our unity in the Lord's church. Now these are some early slides I have leading up to what I wanted to, to talk about, but I don't have a whole lot of time to discuss them, so I'm gonna flash them up and just say, Jesus prayed for unity, and in this prayer for unity, the Lord's church is the answer to that prayer for unity. I will say this unhesitated, without any hesitation. This prayer of our Lord has been answered by the church, and the church represents the manifold wisdom of God in this world, in this daytime, as far as you and I are concerned. And so the reasons congregations struggle primarily is due to a lack of vision. They have no strategy. They struggle due to worldly division because of Satan. Neil pointed out in his last lesson how that after every major accomplishment, it seems <coughs> Satan comes right back in there and tries to untie the knot of unity. Congregation struggle also due to lack of leadership. We need shepherds that are faithful, that are always willing to look at things from the flock view, having 
the goal of glorifying God and helping each of the uh, sheep in such a way that they can not only find their place but know their purpose and have peace in their lives that we can persevere against the devil. That's what it's all about, friends. And so they struggle due to lack of compassion. I think uh, if I had time, we could talk about the Good Samaritan and how mercy is looking through the eyes of compassion to those who are struggling, those who are on the side of uh, the, the road, who are in an unsafe position, just introducing this. And then the resources to help the struggling, without a doubt, in my mind, as a counselor, as an elder, is the Church of Christ. I don't know a lot of folks that want to, to, to uh, try to tackle, take that on and say that, but I say that not only because I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I say that because as you look at the church, I want to show you the manifold wisdom of God at work in a practical sense. And so, going the wrong way. And so, <clears throat> the church, uh, the manifold or the many-sided wisdom of God might be made known as it is unfolded in the working uh, of his church on earth. Uh, Lipscomb and Shepherd in their commentary talks about that. I don't want to talk about a whole lot of theology. I want to talk about practical Christianity now, but I, I'm, I'm using this to introduce these laws. And the first law that I want to talk about is a law that brings us into the body of Christ. And that's the law of pardon. I know everybody understands God's part is grace and that our part is faith to obey. It's uh, the faith that saves, it's the faith that obeys. But God is saying, I love you. And because I love you, I want to have a relationship with you. The law of pardon says you can be delivered from this world. The Bible teaches us in 1 uh, John 2, 15, love not the world, neither things are in the world, for all that's in the world, lust of flesh, lust of eye, and pride of life, they're in the world. You have those attractions, the lust of the eye, those addictions, the lust of the flesh, those ambitions, you know, wanting to just be something that may not glorify God. In order to resolve those, we have to reach for the, the antidote. And the antidote is the word of God. It's right there in that same passage. When we use the antidote for the word of God, we're able to bring under control our addictions bring under control those things that are able to pull us away from the cross and pull us away from salvation. To hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized and added to the body of Christ, one is delivered. And so I won't spend a lot of time on that because this is what brings us in, the law of pardon. When we understand the law of pardon, it says we have worth, the value of your soul, all of the physical resources in this world doesn't even come close to totaling what God sees your soul as being valuable. The problem is a lot of our folks that we come in contact with don't see themselves as valuable. And the other problem is we don't look at people as, you know, I don't look out here and see, you know, I see souls. When we are soul conscious, the law of pardon helps us to help people to see how valuable they really are. Well, I'm taking too much time on that. Let me move on. Got 32 minutes left, but I ain't coming. <laughs> so the first initial law of the law in the, in the body of Christ is called the law of placement. The law of placement says, well, you know, I love you. The law of pardon says I love you. The law of placement says we belong. You belong. 
every member in the body of Christ has a place. You belong. Amen. And you need to understand, this is practical Christianity. Don't come here and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm looking for a congregation. What? The law of placement says, God placed you in the body as it pleased whom? As it pleased you? No, as it pleased him. Why? God has a purpose for you. We'll get to that one in a minute. But the law of placement says, it doesn't matter what color you are, even though you're short, you, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. God loves short people too. I found that out not long ago. God loves short people. It's our diversity that makes us strong. Isn't that right? You know, there are certain things that I can do in talking to people, and, you know, they can hear me out, and, 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 and I'm approachable to them because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mercedes's husband. You may not know Mercedes, that's my wife. Uh, but I'm approachable to them because they know Mercedes. Well, there are some folks that she's approachable to because they know a guy named Glenn. But see, all together combined, God placed us in the body because God is not a respected person. And those who are struggling need to understand, your place is where you belong. It's not in, you know, in the hospital. It's not popping pills and things like that. It's understanding Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and how to apply to my life. God placed me here, the law of placement says, there's a goodness of fit. Our diversity is our strength. And if God didn't place you there, it doesn't belong to you. And there's another realm that I could talk to about that, but I want it this time. Our diversity. There's no white, no black, no Asian. There's one body. Amen. And that body consists of souls who have been placed there. Not as a static display. Here's part of the problem. And this is a lot of reasons why churches are closing down and struggling. Many of our members are static displays. They don't do anything. Mm -hmm. They come and sit, and for them, their worship is like a nip and a sip and a $2 tip. That's it. <laughs> That's not what it's all about. God says, you have a place. And your diversity says, we got to have this enthusiastic understanding that God gave us his word and when we follow his authority, we sign what's called a declaration of dependence. <laughs> and when you have diversity and a declaration of dependence, guess what? Things start happening, which leads to the next uh, law, purpose. The law of purpose. This is the heart of my lesson. If I could camp on this for the rest of the day, I'll be happy, but I can't do that. So I've got to just introduce it to you. People struggle because they don't have purpose in the church. If I were to ask you right now, what's your purpose in the church? One sister told me my purpose is to smile. Well, that's right. That's her purpose. I see her, and every time I'm coming in, she's there smiling. She's greeting people. She's enthusiastically trying to let people know that we love souls, and we love you, and we want you to belong here. Anything wrong with that? No. Law of purpose says... We have a dependency one on another. In 1 Corinthians 12, there is one body, many members. 
Now, in our law of purpose, now let me let me just say this because of time. If you are an eyebrow, be an eyebrow. Do the job of that's your purpose. Don't try to be the big foot. I've got the big foot right here. But but see, I'm trying to be the big foot and trying to be the eyebrow at the same time. That's going to cause some problems. Never. Yeah, right. Now I can't say you know I have no need of you. The need can't. I, man, get away from me. I got this. No. Why? Because the law of purpose says we are dependent upon one another. The, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ can get along. You know, I, I said this a lot. Everywhere I go, I tell people my, about my great-grandma. My great-grandma was 110. She grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a time when it was not popular being a black person. They were enslaved. But she got through that. But she would always say, people are like porcupines. They got a lot of good points. But you can't always get close to them. <laughs> the law of purpose says you can. And here's how. We depend upon each other based on the word of God, and we see how we are this we are necessary. All of the honorable and parts that seem to be less than, they're not less than, but they all have worth. They're valuable. They're necessary. Don't tell me I don't feel like I belong in the Lord's church. Don't tell me that. That's the language of Satan. That's the language that says, you know, you, if you wait a while, they'll show their true colors. No. The law of purpose says every member has a purpose. Now, the overall purpose, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, is to glorify God. That's our overall purpose. But there are secondary purposes that you have also. I had the slide. I don't know why I didn't send it in, but I'm just going to give you a taste of it because I didn't send it in and I feel bad about that. But here are some of the New Testament characters that had purpose. Dorcas in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. When that sister died, the widow said, you know what? She did this for me. She did that for me. The widow stood by Peter and I when they, when they came in, but Dorcas attests to the fact that here's a woman, a sister in Christ that had purpose, and her legacy was such that they wanted to, uh, if possible, clone her and have some of the other sisters to be like her. They knew about her purpose. Now, of course, she was restored to life and everything, and, and the sisters were really happy about that, but she had purpose. Uh, Lois and Eunice, what was their purpose? With Timothy. Training. They taught children. They taught their they taught Timothy. They had a purpose. Now that again, their overall purpose was to glorify God and everything, but Timothy glorified God as a man who was trained by folks who were enthusiastic, who loved the Lord, and who gave of their time and effort. That was their part in the body. And I think in terms of also some of the others that I have on here, if I can get back to my thing here, I have Paul to the elders. Paul, and, and I didn't want to list a lot of the apostles because you know their purpose. But the Ephesian elders, Paul had lit a fire on them and told them, you know, I'm going to do all that I can because I know grievous wars going to come. And, they're going to, and you're going to fall away if you don't. But Paul had a purpose. What's your purpose? Aquila and Priscilla. 
They were not just tent makers. They were yoke fellows and servants for Paul. They had a purpose. Jason, Acts 17, 5 through 9. The brethren at Berea, Acts 17, 10 through 12. The Macedonians, Acts 16, 9 through 10. And Matthew 7 and 7. By the way, the Macedonians, when you think of Matthew 7 and 7, ask, seek, and knock, the Bereans were doing that. And it was answered. And so they were folks who were seeking, asking, and knocking, making sure that the word of God was being taught. And that's the purpose that we all should have. And so I, I listed that also. The, the uh, Macedonians, the call, the vision came for them to come over to Macedonia. Why? Because they had a purpose over there, and they needed some leadership, and they needed some help. And so that was answered in Acts 16, 9-10. The example of James uh, was mentioned earlier, who was martyred. But when you think in terms of Romans 12, 1 and 2, his purpose, he became a living sacrifice for the Lord. When you think in terms of our purpose, there are so many, many things about which we could be doing. And as an elder, my job is that, with the flock view in mind, is to cultivate this for our members to see. Look at their talents. And I can go on, the list goes on. Uh, uh, the disciple sent in relief, Acts 11, 29. Uh, Ananias, a teacher of lost souls. Philip, a teacher of the lost. The seven who was chosen for daily distribution in Acts 6. 1 through 7, and you know, not to mention the fact that in Romans 16, Paul just lists a whole number of folks with purpose. This law of purpose is something that we should really think about. As leaders, we need to challenge our members to find their purpose. You know your primary purpose, but what are some of your secondary purposes? You know, again, we have a, 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 uh, a sister she can't do very much. But wherever she goes, she takes these scan cards. If she's at a restaurant or someplace like that, she'll take these scan cards and leave them with people. I mean, there's a lot that some of the young, and we have a lot of babies in our family. We got a lot of young families. I mean, whoo. <laughs> if you're over 60 like I am, and, and the final amen is said, you look for a wall. <laughs> you look for a wall. Because you know if you don't, you're going to get submarine by a whole group of kiddos. Well, and, 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 and with that, and saying that, now, our teenagers have a purpose. They're like, you know, uh, Rowdy Yates and Raw High. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Well, Rowdy Yates, you know, you, you, you get these kids, if they're going to run, they're going to run in a certain direction away from the old folks. Mm -hmm. That's their little purpose there. But <laughs> they're all learning about purpose now. You know, and so, she gives these out and we've had responses because she couldn't do a lot but she can at least do that anything wrong with that she had purpose well let me move on because you're looking at me funny the, 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 every member in your flock if you're an elder they have a purpose if they don't know it you need to help them to find it and if you don't help them to find it, well, help them to find it. <laughs> help them to find it. Amen. 
We meet on a regular basis trying to, we have, we have job fairs where we are putting people to work because we, we have all these purposes that need to be done and they know, well, they're going to talk about purpose again, so we better get over there and find out. I want to get, I want to get mad before someone else tries to get. Well, I told you, you can't do that because you are, you're an eyebrow. You can't do a kneecap job. You can't. And, and see, here's the point. The Lord's Church is an all-volunteer what? Organization. It's not just the elders. It's not just the preacher. It's not just one or two. It is an organism that requires everyone who have signed a declaration of dependence on God to also step forward and show their worth to God by being what they can to discover their purpose and to follow through therewith. Woo. Oh, and demons. Okay, so, uh, so every member, every member, because there's no one is better than the other, every member has a purpose. What is your purpose? To the leaders, many people are struggling because they don't know their purpose. They struggle first because they don't know their place. If they knew their place, they'd come to the leadership or to a faithful brother or sister because purpose also is older women teaching the younger women, by the way. Something that, you know, we kind of forgot this day and time for some reason. Older brothers teaching the younger brother. That's purpose. That's the good Samaritan taking care of the fellow on the side of the road. He had a purpose. It just fell his way. He didn't expect that, but when, when it came up, there he was. Purpose. Widows have purpose. You may have lost a loved one, and you may be mourning, but you know what? You still have a purpose in life. Your purpose doesn't end because of tragedy. Well, that's, you know, I told you I'm going to get off. Let me go to this. You know, when you know your place, the law of placement, when you know your purpose, the law of purpose, you can know peace, the law of peace. The Bible says that we are to have the same care one for another, that there be no schism among us, or no schism in the body, that rip, a tear. The tear is made possible because you're not fulfilling your purpose to glorify God. It's made possible because you don't know your place in the body of Christ. You're trying to do the work of a knee when you're just an eyeball. You know, how can an eyeball do the work of my knee? It just doesn't work. And so what, what happens is, in the law of peace, when we understand that we're uni united and unified as one, when we're one organism, when we don't see ourselves as the elders, the deacons, the brother, the preacher, the sister, we're one organism. Made possible because of the word of God which lives and abides forever. When you and I feed on the diet of God's word, we're directed by the authoritative head and we're disciplined by the word. But see, in the body of Christ, there are two views about his authority. It's, un it's informal, but I know it's there. And here they are. It's in the form of two restaurants. 
You remember the slogan for Burger King? What did it say? Have it your way. Have it your Look, I don't care what you, I'm going to do it my way. Well, the elders said, well, I don't care. I, I'm. Have it your way, Burger King. And, and, and that causes problems. It, it causes a schism, a rift in the Lord's church because I want to do it my way. Jesus said, he that rejected me, that person's going to be judged. You reject my words, I'm going to judge you. John 12, 48. But Jesus says, but I mean, uh, Paul says, we are to have the same care one for another. That is a direct command to Christians that we don't often follow through on. How can I have the same care for someone that I may not know that well, but he's a brother or she's a sister. Well, that's what that's why we get to know them. That's why the command. You know, we have that same care one for another because we're in Christ. We're in the body. I'm trying to decide if you are the elbow. Okay, I'm the knee. Hello, elbow. I'm the knee. What's going on? Well, let's wait and hear from the head to see what else we need to do today. What's our purpose? Well. My purpose is to keep on flexing so we can get that big foot on up the road. I know my purpose. Now, when I say I'm not going to do that, I'm going to stumble and fall because I don't want to act like I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a knee or an elbow. Eyes the same way. So, we are unified as one because we care for each other. May I ask you sincerely and very personally? You don't have to answer it. Please don't say it. Do you care for each and every brother and sister in your congregation? Do you know them? If you don't know them, what's your purpose? Or what can become your purpose? To get to do what? To get to know them. There's this word that needs to be restored that we used to use back in the long ago. It, it sounds like hospital but it's more like hospitality. Uh -huh. We don't have front porches anymore. We don't sit out on the front porch because they made this thing called air conditioning. <laughs> I'm not kicking it. I, I love air conditioning. But, but I, I grew up in a time where people got to know each other because they were out on the front porch and they talked. Up and down the street, they talked. They visited. They'd go across and sit on each other's porch. And if someone was having a baby, they didn't just go to the hospital or a midwife came in or something like that and the kids would come across with our kids and we'd be on the porch or in the playground. We'd be, man, we just getting it on, we got, you know. Whatever happened to the front porch in the Lord's church today? Where we can just get to know each other. You're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. Yeah, you know, I understand you're short, but that's okay. <laughs> God tells me to love you anyway because I'm just, you know, I ran across a guy the other day. I looked up and I heard, oh, boy, that's a lot of cereal right there. <laughs> but there'll be no division. None of this, I call it facial prejudice. I don't say racial prejudice. It's facial prejudice. And so in the law of peace, there's no cause for alarm because the head is in charge. The head is in charge. The elders with the flock view 
respect the authority of the head and they disseminate his will to the sheep that there be no division because you know your place you know your purpose you can have peace when we have peace in the body of Christ we're prepared to go up against the one who doesn't like peace and that's Satan the law of perseverance is our defense against the wiles of Satan. It is our Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 uniform coat of armor that we put on. Because number one, we know our place. We know our purpose. And we absolutely know peace. And the peace that passes understanding will help me to don the armor of Christ to go into battle. And if I lose my life, so be it. I'll wake up in eternity with God. But I'll be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord because I know what? I know my purpose, my place. I know peace. And I know how to persevere. It's growing and maturing together. We're strong, is what that says. We're strong because of the word of God, not because of the cliques and, and, and the little old uh, notions and, 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 and little hang-ups that some of my crazy brethren have. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups causes people to struggle. False teachers causes people to struggle. The Word of God causes people to be strong and to grow together. We're maturing. Our defense against our struggles is that we fight the good fight of faith. Some of the people they're playing the victim role rather than the victor's role. I don't know about you. I'm glad to be a Christian. I'm glad to have victory in Jesus. I don't want to be a victim and say, oh, look, oh me, I, I just can't, I don't know what's going on. I, I can't seem to find nothing to do in the church. Brother so-and-so don't like me and all. Yeah, come on, really? <laughs> Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That there be no schism in the body. We persevere because the devil is always there. You can always be assured if it's not in the book, it came from a crook, and the crook is Satan, John 10 and verse 10. The thief coming not but for the steal and the kill and the destroy. I'm coming that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I persevere, I fight for that kind of life. Not just life, but the abundant life. <coughs> Excuse me. The law of perseverance. From a flock view, I understand that we have weak members. We have some strong members. But this paradigm helps me as an elder to prepare our congregation for battles that some of them can't even see. The elders can see and can anticipate because whenever we're strong, we have no cause for alarm. We're able to persevere even against the very fiery darts of Satan. And I don't know about you, brethren. Without having a clear purpose, it's hard for me to fight Satan. 
I'm so busy trying to figure out me that I don't have time for anybody else. And so I turn in. And it causes me to lose my joy. And, and, and again, Philippians is the framework for folks who can't capture their joy. In chapter one, and I'm going off the tangent for a minute. I'll be back in a minute. I got seven seconds. Seven minutes I can get there. It's chapter one of Philippians. People lose their joy because of circumstances. Here's Paul changed for a Roman soldier. Man, you think, man, of all things, why not have we changed this dude? Did it rob him of his joy? No. Instead, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is what? It's gain. He knew his purpose. He persevered. Philippians 1 and verse 21. In chapter 2, people can rob us of our joy. Isn't that right? Say amen when you can. Yeah, people can rob you of your joy. Some of them even family members. But Paul says, you overcome people by having a submissive mind. Look at the Christ, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Though did not robbery be equal with God, made himself no reputation, took form upon himself the form of a servant. You overcome people by having a submissive mind. You overcome materialism by having a spiritual mind. That's chapter 3. A lot of folks struggle because they want more money. They will work double time and overtime and never come to service because they're too busy killing themselves making money. <coughs> Instead of having a life. Oh, I get in trouble on that one, I know. i tell you what else my great-grandma said about that. Don't tell anybody. There's plenty of cheese in a mousetrap. You've never seen a happy mouse happen. You can strive for all the money this world can give you, but that trap will close on you one day. And if you're without Christ, where you can't persevere against the devil, you're all alone. You're like one half of a round trip ticket. Not good if detached. So materialism can rob us of our joy. And here's the other one that gets a lot of older members that I deal with a lot, and that's worry. Worry is an inside job. You know it. You worry about things that just don't even, aren't even happening. They don't even materialize. You just love me. Oh, no. What? For the child of God who signed a declaration of dependence, who should know their place, who should know their purpose, who know how to persevere, you shouldn't have a problem with worry. I guess that's why the Holy Spirit says worry is not something that glorifies God. Oh, by the way. And so Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8, says, think on these things. It's lovely, it's just. Uh, always think on these things. And people are struggling because of that. The law of perseverance helps us to understand where we came from, our place, what we can do, our purpose, how we can get along, Peace, and how to fight Satan, perseverance. This framework it will help us in dealing with all kinds of struggles, internal and external. Now there are a lot of other points to it that I didn't even get on this, but and one of it is a whole chapter dedicated just to purpose. There's a whole chapter dedicated to peace, but 
And part of that we'll talk about in my next presentation on resolving conflict when we talk about James. But as a side note, you know, the way to overcome the conflicts in the Lord's church is know your place, know your purpose. You know your place, you know purpose, you know peace. I know I'm repeating this, but it's a framework that works. And, and, and the more elders can see that from a flock view instead of a foggy view, or a false view that says, well, I'm in charge, me, Taj, and you, Jane, you come with a saddle, I'm a rocket. Elders don't do that. Leaders don't do that. Preachers don't do that. We're about empowerment. We're about trying to get people in a position where they can be put in a safe position, unlike the robbers and the thieves with the fellow that was left on the side of the road in Luke chapter 15. So those are some frameworks there. The law of perseverance instructs Christians concerning struggles. Don't suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. This simply says, in all those struggles, if you're going to suffer, if you're going to persevere, you can persevere only as a Christian. Unfaithful Christians can move to being a busybody, an evildoer, even a thief or a murderer. Man stole another man's woman not long ago, and they ran off and got married. Unscriptural marriage and all that. Was well, a member of the Lord's church. What's the problem? Well, he stopped persevering. <coughs> he forgot his purpose. And the addiction that Satan hurled at him caused him to go astray. From a standpoint of an elder, we have to do the right things. In love, but we have to say, brother, we love you. But God can't tolerate this. And we have to go with God on this. The law of perseverance. How does God use adversity to manifest his care? Now, I'm down to one minute. I'm going to just shoot through this right quick. I'm not going to even elaborate. But God cares for us by using adversity to direct us, to inspect us, to correct us, to protect us, to perfect us. Wasn't it fast? <laughs> My friends, a lot of the struggles that goes on in our congregation and in our world is needless. For the world, they need to know that God loves them. They need to know the law of pardon. For the church, you need to simply know that you belong here. You need to know that you're strong here and that with God's word, there's no cause for alarm here. Why? Because we have the same care one for another. This week, do a checkup from the neck up. Explore your purpose. You know your primary purpose. Explore your secondary and other purposes. The church needs you. Your elders need you. And elders, we need every member of the body of Christ here. We don't need to run another congregation. Stop the church hopping and learn to hop on God's word and do the right thing. May God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Amen.